Hey guys, what's up? It's Kurt Stubbs from the Ohio High School Hoops Around the State podcast. We have another great show lined up for you today, but first, I just wanted to take a minute to say um, I would greatly appreciate uh, if you subscribe to us on iTunes, give us one of those five-star ratings, and uh, give us a review. Let us know what you think, what we're doing well, what we can improve, what you would like to see. Uh, Again, we would greatly appreciate that here at the Ohio High School Hoops Around the State podcast. Now, for today, our episode, um, we're going to go back to the 1987-1988 season, and we are going to feature the Cincinnati Woodward Bulldogs, uh, who finished the year 26-2 in the state championship uh, in Division I. This is a fantastic story. Uh, The prior season didn't go as planned in the tournament, had a little bit of misfortune along the way, uh, but they came back with a vengeance in uh, the 87-88 season, led by uh, all-world guard Chip Jones and the outstanding DJ Boston. And then uh, briefly touch on the 1988-89 season where Woodward uh, gets back to Uh, the state tournament uh, led by DJ Boston and uh, they would lose to Mr. Basketball, uh, Jimmy Jackson and Toledo McComber uh, in a close game in a state semifinals. And we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about uh, DJ's baseball career along with his brother, Daryl, his baseball career and a a whole bunch of things um, throughout this episode. So I hope you enjoy And again, uh, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us that five-star rating and write us a review. If you're listening on YouTube, uh, again, please uh, subscribe um, and hit that bell for notifications. And also, please review us on there as well. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. What's up, you guys? This is uh, Kurt Stubbs back with a another episode of the Ohio High School Hoops Around the State podcast. Today, we are uh, fortunate to be joined by a key member of the 1987-1988 uh, Cincinnati Woodward Bulldogs, the Division I state champions that year, uh, Mr. DJ Boston. And, Correct me if I'm wrong, you were born Donald Jeffrey, is that right? Oh, wow, yeah. Okay, all right. Too many people know that. I'm quite sure everybody knows now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How's it going? Good, it's going great, going great, going great here, here. Yes, it is. DJ, what are you you up to these days? I know you're, you're living down in the Atlanta area. Uh, right now, I was actually uh, coaching in the minor leagues, but this past year, I took the year off basically to kind of follow my son around um, as he entered his senior year in high school. So it's been a blast for me, uh, you know, just being gone for so long, just kind of take time out to, you know, instead of helping someone else, kid, help your own. So good to watch him blossom. You kind of... If if I wasn't looking at you, you kind of have a, a Harold Reynolds sound to you. I don't know if you remember oh, wow. Harold Reynolds back in his. That must be the baseball thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it could be. 
so I'm going to start with this. Um, so the 1986-1987, we got kind of two stories going side by side here. You're um, at CAPE, which stands for Cincinnati Academy of Physical Education, uh, which yeah. is no longer in existence. Um, and you're playing in class AA uh, as a freshman and a sophomore with those guys. And then over on the other side of the story, you have um, Woodward in, in, in class AAA, which would be the last season of the, of the three-class system. Mm-hmm. And um, they're having a, a phenomenal season. Uh, you guys are having a really good season over at Cape. Um, and Woodward's season kind of ends in an abrupt halt. They, they get upset uh, in a sectional final by Walnut Hills. Um, who was, I think, like 17-5 and five at the time. Walnut Hills also beat Withrow, who was a powerhouse then as well. Um, and the interesting thing was that that season for Woodward ended, uh, Chip Jones uh, was suspended for that game um, and wasn't able to play. Chip's a, you know, all-city guard, uh, one of the best players to ever come out of Cincinnati, definitely one of yes. the most talented. Um, yes, for sure. But yeah, that season just you know um, ended um, rather prematurely. I mean, I think Woodward had hopes of of winning the state that year because uh, I believe they had like Steve Givens was on that team, and yes. um, correct me if I'm wrong, was like Lonnie Green on that team? Lonnie, yes, yes, Lonnie Green, yes, yes, yeah. he was on that team as well. So their season ends at 19 and three. Um, now, on the other side of things, you are playing over at Cape with, uh, and a lot of my listeners will know this name, Ricardo Hill, uh, who's the point guard on that team. Now the head coach doing an outstanding job at Walnut Hills. Um, just had a player win an uh, NCAA championship at Macy Oteague uh, yes. over there at Baylor. So that, that was really cool. Um, and you were you were over there, I believe. Jason Mitchell, uh, Earl Green, Vinnie Clark, and you were playing yes. playing for Coach Julian Holland over there at Cape. Um, and your season ended to Forest Park, seventy three sixty nine. You finished nineteen and four. Um, and I talked to Ricardo about this yesterday. He said he had never heard of Alex Davis prior to this game. Uh, and the sophomore who eventually would go on to play at Ohio State had 38 yes. points, 11 rebounds. Uh, he was 15 to 28 shooting, 8 to 8 at the free throw line in this game. Uh, Ricardo had 18 and Earl Green 16. Now you were out, uh, correct? For the turn, you were hurt. Uh, no. Where was that at? It, what year your, was your, that? your sophomore year, your your last year at Cape. No, I think that when we. My sophomore year, I think I was, we were in the sectionals in Dayton. Is that where we lost to Forest Park at? Um, that might have been my ninth grade year. Yeah, or, sophomore year, it looks like you lost at, at Lakota High School um, in the sectional final to Forest Park, 73-69. Mm. Ricardo said that you might have been – because I said I didn't see his name in, like, the box scores uh, in the tournament yeah, games. Uh, and he said that he thought you might have been out with an injury in the tournament. 
that year. Okay. Because he said you would have definitely have made a big difference. Made made a big difference. That yeah. Probably hope we made up for that four points that we lost by. Yeah. But yeah, I, I may have been hurt. That's probably why I, I have a vague memory of of that particular game. Um, my last game that I. I actually remember was in Dayton. I missed the free throw. That might have been my my freshman year, though, for some reason. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But yeah, Alex Davis, well known name to me for sure. We played in a couple uh, AAU tournaments. So. So tell my listener. I mean, because a lot of the younger people that that listen to this, I mean, I I would doubt maybe they they've heard of Cape. Um, but kind of give people an idea of what, I mean, they were obviously a powerhouse in football uh, with Carlos yeah. Snow and Vinnie Clark and those guys. But give, give people an idea of what, what CAPE was. CAPE was, a, uh, it was basically like for very athletic guys, but actually people mistaken CAPE as just being for just sports guys. But lo and behold, the academics were very, very hard there. Um, they didn't take it lightly. I think we pretty much took some college courses, even though we took gym twice a day. But um, but we still had the major courses, that, you know, the math, science. But they were all advanced level classes. So um, I think that's to kind of proceed as oh, just a sports school. But you know, besides that, it was high in academics as well. Um, you had some great athletes come out of there, like you had mentioned, Carlos Snow, Benny Clark. Uh, I can list the name, Ricardo Hill, <laughs> you yeah. know. Uh, but, yeah, it was definitely a pretty good school. So at the end of your sophomore year, what what was the final uh, decision? What what led you to, to transfer over to Woodward? Um. Just closer to my district from where I lived. I lived over in North Avondale over by Xavier. Okay. And uh, just the ride and the inconvenience, um, not so much the school part, but just um, just trying to put myself in a better situation and being closer on this side of town from where I was from and playing with some friends and some things like that. So it was a very difficult decision between Withrow and Woodward because I was right on the border right there at uh, – on Dana. So it was either Withrow or, or Woodward. Crazy how we ended up making the decision of going to Woodward over Withrow. <laughs> now you were in the same, were you in the same class with Carl Jones at Withrow? Carl Brown? Or Carl Brown. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes. Carl yes, Brown. Yes. He was a really, really good friend of mine. Yes. Yes. We both were in the same grade. Yes. And George. George Jackson was the head coach at Withrow George, at the time. Yes, I still speak to him to this day. He's still a mentor of mine. So, yes, yes. It's crazy how I have some some really good relationships with a lot of guys from Withrow after all these years. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. a, a lot of those guys, uh, Bud Taylor, George Booker, Steve Gentry, um, Carl Brown, you know, and, and like I said, Coach Jackson as well. Now your your brother attended Woodward. Yes, so that kind of made the conversation a little bit easier. So those of you that um, I'm sure, if you're familiar with the baseball, you 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 know the name Daryl Boston. 
um, was a 90, 1981 Woodward graduate. And correct me if I'm wrong, he was taken first uh, round, seventh overall. Uh, was that out of high school? Yes, I think it was. It might have been six, six pick, either six or seven, one, six or seven pick out of high school. Yeah, so yeah, out of Woodward High School as well. To the Chicago White Sox, and then he would go on and uh, have a pretty lengthy career. He played for the Sox. Uh, Toronto, the Mets, Colorado, and the Yankees, and I, I was his career ended on August 11th, and then it dawned on me that was the strike year. Strike year, yeah. yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, and actually that was the time that I was on the cusp of possibly getting to the big leagues, and um, yeah, we had some lengthy conversations about that strike that year. <laughs> you know, he was the guy that you know. Um, was heavy on the on the player side, and I was a guy that was on the cusp of either or. I could either cross, and you know, I think the, I made the right decision by not crossing. And, you know, just doing some due diligence with, with talking to him as well. So, your brother, uh, he retired uh, at thirty-one. Was was there? I mean, now that would be really young. Um, yeah. Then, I mean, a little different times, but. Uh, was there any uh, particular reason that he, you know, called it called it a day in 1994? Um, he went on to play a couple of years after that. He signed with the Marlins and 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 played a couple of years, well, a year in the minor leagues. Then he ended up playing independent ball mm-hmm. uh, for maybe a year or so, and ended up got into coaching the following year. Around, I get, maybe in '97, '98, and. Okay. Um, um, he just kind of rolled that wave, and he's still coaching with the Chicago White Sox to this day. So, good move for him. Now, you were drafted twice. Yes. You were drafted out of high school by the Mariners, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, you were drafted by the Blue Jays out of San Jacinto um, there in 1990. Now, you were in the – Minor is, you know, kind of bouncing around from mm-hmm. like 91 to maybe 06, somewhere around yeah. then. Talk, yeah. talk to me about that. That, I mean, <laughs> you, you were, you were in the minors when, I mean, I mean, it's nothing compared to how they're treated in, in the yeah. show, but, you know, kind of talk to me about, you know, what, what life was like on the road in the minors. Uh, the hotels were, you know, minor, minor league. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't want to bash any, any hotels, but uh, it was tough. It was tough. The hot days, the, the soup. You know, we had soup and peanut butter and jelly and was expected to perform at a high level. You know, um, below minimum wage, it was definitely, you really had to work your tail off to, um, to achieve your goal, um, um, but just the long bus rides, the, you know, the different coaching staffs, the about getting called up, getting sent down, you know, just kind of being on the go, pretty much living out of a hotel for pretty much a full year, 10 out of 12 months, um, with along with one, who, um, what they call, uh, extended spring training um so it was it was tough it was definitely tough but it was a learning experience made you stronger um 
And then as I got older, I kind of bounced around the independent league and kind of went, played overseas a little bit, played in Mexico, went to Hawaii. But it allowed me to travel the world. So basically, I, I have no complaints. Um, I guess if I could do it all over again, probably would say go to school and, and try this in, at basketball. But like I did at San Jacinto, I played both. Because mm-hmm. I still run into guys and say, man, you should play basketball. You should play basketball. But then again, I just kind of went with my first love. You know, and 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 uh, baseball was my first love. I kind of played basketball just to get under the the scope of being the younger bro- uh, younger brother of Daryl Boston, the baseball player. Yeah, and I just kind of excelled at playing basketball as I grew six inches over the fall. I mean, over the summer actually, going into Cape, and so that's just kind of how it shook down. But the minor leagues is. Just exactly what it's called, the minor league. But I'm glad that they're fighting for different rights now. And yeah. Different, better pay. And with the, the five rounds right now, it's kind of a good thing, too. Who, uh, just out of curiosity, who who was the most uh, talented guy you ever played the minors with? Played with or yeah. against? With or against. <sighs> the most talented guy had to be Derek Cheater. And we played against each other for possibly from that from his first year through ninety five, ninety six. So I think he got drafted in ninety. I think it might have been ninety. So we played against each other for at least six years because we the Yankees played the the Blue Jays every almost every three days <laughs> in, in, in Tampa. So yeah, it was just a twenty thirty minute ride. But Derek Jeter for sure. But I played with some great players, Carlos Delgado, Alex Gonzalez, uh, Ruben Rivera, that's one name, played against Andrew Jones. I mean, that's just some of the names that, you know, I can speak of that the fans would know. Yeah, I mean, and that had to be cool, you know, when you're uh, in high school and your your older brother is, you know, is in Major League Baseball at the time. Um, I mean, that had to be pretty cool. Yes, it was, especially at Cape. I used to come back with big bags of red shoes yeah. for Carlos Snow and Vinnie Clark. Those guys were probably the <laughs> best dressed football players ever with, with the Astro Turfs, you know, because those yeah. turfs were pretty hard to get. And, you know, we all wore the same size. And like I said, it was it was accessible. And just being able to be in the locker room with the guys and things like that at the major league level to actually see how it is to, to be a professional. Yeah, so, you know, you you juggled playing baseball and and basketball at the same time in high school. Um, It's a little bit different now. Um, You know, it's really hard, especially at a high, high level, for guys to to be good at, you know, multiple things. I mean, people still do it, but what was it like in those days to – I mean, were you just playing basketball? You know, was it pick up, you know, outside of season – or how was what was the layout like during the during after I had signed to play baseball? Well, well, you know when you're coming up through in high school, you know because oh, okay. you you had played um, early baseball as well. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Once baseball season started, then you know what happened to basketball after baseball season would start. It's kind of crazy because basketball still had priority over. The baseball, because in high school, I really didn't take it as serious. 
Um, that's probably why I got drafted twice. Yeah. Um, they knew I had a gift to play baseball, but basketball at that time was my thing. So I was, I kind of excelled at that. So the baseball thing kind of took a back seat and, uh, just like I said, baseball was just the first love. It just kind of came natural, you know, and, and I ended up playing with, with Midland, um, for two years. So that was kind of, a good thing, which they allowed me just to kind of, when they had to travel with some basketball, they would allow me to go. So they made it convenient for me. So it wasn't very difficult at that time. So kind of worked out. Yeah, d definitely, uh, definitely worked out for you. Um, you know, you've, you've gotten to see a lot of things through, through the game of baseball, but, you know, basketball uh, in high school, especially in Cincinnati, Yes. Um, but really in Cincinnati, you know, around that time in the 80, early 80s, mid 80s, baseball, you know, guys, it was red hot. I mean, with with guys that were coming out of, um, you know, the Moeller. area down there. Moeller. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you had the, the Larkins, you had Griffey. Um, there was a lot of guys, Tuffy Rose. There were a lot of baseball guys that came out that were really, really talented. Yeah. Some things haven't changed. You know, Moeller's still... Rolling. Molar is still molar. I still hear about molar. Everybody said, yeah, where you from? I say, oh, I'm from Cincinnati. I say, where'd you go to school, molar? No, I did not go to molar. <laughs> I hear they're really good in basketball right now. I hear they're really, really good. Yeah, yeah, they, they are. And uh, I'm going to ask you a question here a little bit uh, in comparison here. So, um, so we, we move into the 1987-88 season. You're now, you know, over – um, at Woodward, and and I found this funny. I was uh, I was reading in the um, in the Inquirer, Cincinnati Inquirer, and um, gentleman that covered a lot of your games was a guy named Orlando Ledbetter. Yeah, it's so you know very thankful for the work he he did back then, and you know the papers covered so much stuff, and it was so uh, detailed back then. Um, your coach at Woodward, Larry Miller. Uh, he was talking about the preseason rankings that they do in the in the Inquirer, and he said, "I don't understand why we were rated first. We don't. We only have one starter back and another part time starter." He, he, he said, I, "I think there's a number of strong teams." Said Miller in ex assessing the area. I personally voted with her on number one. <laughs> well, that's just Coach Miller for you, right there. Every first at college. Yeah, you know. Um, I just found that funny uh, heading into the season. I know, you know, Withrow is a, is a team that, uh, you know, you guys were quite familiar with. Um, mm -hmm. So 1988, um, Dayton Dunbar actually wins the, the AP poll title that year. Um, you guys finished sixth. Um, you were 18 and two in the regular season, averaging about 80 and a half points a game. Um, Coach Larry Miller, that was your head coach. What what was yes. coach what was Coach Miller like as a as a head coach? What was he it like was to play amazing. for him? It was amazing. Um he pulled the best out of all of the kids. Um as you know, that that team right there, we were strong one through twelve guys. Um we had eleven out of the ten I mean eleven out of the twelve guys that could have probably started at any public high school in the area. Um 
he just knew how to motivate us. Just like you just mentioned before, how he would say little things to get under our skin, but find ways to motivate us and push us. Um, one story I always tell is he found a way to make our practices harder than the games um, because it allowed us to push each other. Um, the bench was just as tall, just as big, just as strong. Um, so it, it made it every game was win or lose, you lose, you run. <laughs> you know, most guys don't want to run, so he made it competitive. And, but he also taught us well how to be gentlemen, how to be men. Um, but also he was a father figure. And actually to this day, we still talk. Um, he comes to see me every once in a while. So he's been a blessing for me, but he was really a great coach as much as a mentor as well. And you guys, you know, had a pressing style, you know, up, up tempo type game. Uh, I'm sure that was uh, it, because not, not all teams back in that era were, were playing like that for sure. Um, and, and another thing is, you know, at this point in time, you're, you're in a conference, a Metro uh, County conference and, you're, you're talking about yourself, Mount Healthy, uh, Oak Hills, Colerain, Aiken, and Western Hills. So it's a little little different than that it is now. Um, yeah. You know, Oak Hills has moved over to the GMC, and um, so is Colerain. But, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of different now because um, Cincinnati has been kind of dominated by the parochial schools of late. Um, but back then... Um, the city league schools were every bit or Tough. better or better in most occasions than, than, you know, the parochial schools. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of funny that I say the public, high, whatever happened to the public high school games, you know, playing against each other. And, you know, those were all of those games were like rivalries because mm -hmm. we all knew each other and um, which made it very difficult because it seemed like everybody was just as talented but we just found ways because we can go a little bit deeper and had a little different style that can outlast everybody else during that time but it was definitely strong that phsl was but also give uh credit to oak hills Corain, they elder when we played those guys they gave us a different look you know, as opposed to the public schools. So they were give credit to those guys as well, too. I got a question. Can you can you explain to me what the Bulldog Stomp was? That was something that Chip Jones came up with. I don't know, I, I don't know <laughs> where that came from, but it just kind of carried over throughout the playoffs. And um, we just kind of added it to our mantra of intimidation or, or something like that, um, that we were coming, we were coming, we were coming. So that, yeah, that come probably from Chip Jones. <laughs> Chip Jones was kind of the leader of all that stuff. I so. love, love it. And, and Orlando Berry and, and Orlando Berry. Don't forget Orlando Berry. <laughs> I can't forget Orlando Berry. I got to know Orlando pretty well when his son was in, uh, high school um, <clears throat> at Taft, you know, his son was able to win a state championship as well yeah. there. Um, <laughs> funny, funny guy. Yeah, uh, great guy, great guy, great guy. So you guys start the season uh, 4-0, and um, and then you guys head out to Las Vegas for the Prep Classic, um, if you remember that. 
And yes, uh, I do. so side note here, uh, the guy I'm about to mention is the reason I became an Arkansas basketball fan. Oh, uh, don't tell me Todd Day. Yeah, yeah. So I'm <laughs> going still ring bell in my ear. Yeah, I'm going through the thing and I'm like, you know, they I was like, well, they got beat by this Hamilton High School out of uh, Memphis, Tennessee. I was like, I wonder who they had. Uh, and when I looked, uh, I saw Todd Day hit you guys for 29. And mm-hmm. I was like, ha, ah. you know, um, and, and they finished 24th in the country that year. So that was a really good team. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I absolutely love Todd Day, uh, Lee Mayberry, Oliver Miller, those yeah. guys when they were at Arkansas. And, um, but you you had a great game as well. You had 25. Uh, Chip Jones had 23. Dennis Falls had 12. So, uh, you get beat eighty five seventy four, so it wasn't like you know you guys got run out of the gym or anything like that. Do you remember anything about that game? Yeah, I think we wasn't at full staff. I mean, we didn't have our full roster. Um, Melvin Bostic was um, was ill. Um, I think that could have been a big help, especially in the middle. Um, so. Yeah, that's one of those games where we kind of got surprised, like, okay, this is really what it's like, you know, outside the city. And, you know, it challenged us, and it made it better, too. So, yeah, that was that was a really good game. That was, I think it was close to, to the end. Yeah. Just kind of made a run at the end and kind of got away from us a little bit. Do you remember much about Todd Day when you guys played? Silky Smooth. Yeah, you know th- that's why I said that name still ring bells in my ear. You know, <laughs> just wow, you know because you don't see tall guys that can handle the ball like he was, and being able to shoot from deep range and penetrate and, and do all those things. You know, which is now a common thing. Oh yeah, six, six seven six eight. You know, um, like for me, I was six seven six eight and playing down low. You know, we were tall then, but then you see have a guy like that that was slim, silky smooth, and can shoot, and it was impressive, and very impressive. Yeah, in the late 80s, there weren't a lot of guys that were his size doing yeah. that. Um, so you guys, uh, after you come, you know, you, you finish up out there, you, you're on a 13-game winning streak, uh, and then it's just a head-scratcher. Um, game 19, you lose to Purcell Marion. Oh. Uh, and let me let me read some of this to you, see if any of this rings a bell. So Perso Marion is eight and eleven. Um they had just upset LaSalle, so they obviously are, are playing pretty good basketball at the time. Uh you led this game by seventeen points in the third quarter. Uh Purcell had a couple of guys, uh PJ Mays, who I think went to Missouri, maybe, uh Greg Allen, uh, and they were coached by Jim Stahl. But the hero of this game was a guy named George Fisher. Um, they would outscore you 27-9 in the fourth. George Fisher had five points in the last four seconds of the game. He hits a three. Uh, you guys get called for a five-second violation on the inbound, and then he buries a 17-footer to win the game, 56-54. Um, and the funny thing about this George Fisher character uh, this guy was cut from the team the previous year and was playing CYO ball. Uh, <laughs> and he beats the state champs um, with five points in four seconds. Now, you guys were number four at the time. And 
I'm going to guess that you guys, you and Chip didn't, you had two points and Chip had one. Uh, I'm guessing that Coach maybe didn't. I had two points. No, I didn't have two points. I don't know. That's what it said in the box score. Maybe, maybe it was incorrect, but it said in the article that you and Chip, uh, Coach Miller sat you quite a bit in this game. I don't recall that because I, to be honest with you, we really won that game. That five-second violation, I made the shot. They called a five-second violation. You know what it's hostile is like going into Purcell Marion playing, and I still mess with people. Well, PJ still messes with me about that game. Um, but, you know, that happens. I think it was the best thing for us. I think we may have just kind of overlooked those guys and, you know, and really that was the turning point for us to really sit back and say we are beatable if we play like that. And I think Coach Miller used that as a weapon the next practice um, and just lit into us. And But that was one of those games that was a good game for us, a, a really good game that they beat us up. They pounded us. Um, they had some football guys that were grabbing, tugging, all of that. But at the end of the day, we lost, but it also made us better. And as crazy as that sounds, but that was one of those things that where we needed that because we were all on a high horse. We were all, hey, we number one, blah, blah, blah. And it just kind of brought us back to earth and said, hey, it's go time now. So I'm glad that happened, to be honest with you. Yeah, you just answered what I was going to ask you. I mean, that's got to be a, a big, you know, kind of reframe in your mind heading yeah. into the tournament because you, you beat up uh, Western Hills. Uh, to end the season, you finished ten and zero in conference play, which is is pretty pretty impressive. Uh, with with um, you know Oak Hills was was really good, uh, who you would see a little bit later. Um, so you get in the tournament, you, you uh, play Milford, uh, who who uh, Coach Miller set a really good game plan against you, and you end up beating them fifty nine forty three. But it was only the second time all year where they you were held under sixty points. Uh, you had 25 points in this game uh, to move on, and then you would play uh, Aiken, um, which you beat uh, 91-63. Melvin Bostic had 23, Chip Jones 19, and then you beat Hughes 78-46. Uh, Chip had 18, and Orlando Berry had 17 in that game. Um, now, the, the districts get a little bit tougher, though. You'd get Trotwood-Madison, and the games moved to UD Arena, at this at this point, um, but but Chip was phenomenal in this game. Thirty two points, four threes, eleven of fourteen shooting. Uh, you had nine. Now there seems like I'm going to let you you talk to me about this. It seems like there's a, a kind of a trend here. Uh, you were up forty to twenty six with three oh seven to play in the third, uh, and then you had to rally. You were down fifty one fifty with three oh six to play. Uh, and then Chip uh, finished the game with four free throws and two baskets. It seemed like um, you guys would get these big leads, and then, you know, what, what happened when you'd get these big leads? Was it like you, you let off the gas or? Well, yeah, it's just kind of you let off the gas and you kind of think you can just kind of cruise to a win that the team is going to give up. But that's what made those games special. 
because they weren't going to give up. And we just thought that we can cruise, you know, we get up, oh, they're going to give up. And, um, but they fought and made us turn it back on again. Like, hey, by the time, by, by time you look up, the score is 50 to 51. And you're in a, a real battle with the same amount of time that you, you know, with three minutes left. So that's just kind of a learning experience. And, you know, it's just kind of letting off the gas when, you know, you, you keep your foot on the pedal and you just kind of don't let them up. So the regionals, after you beat Trotwood 62-53, you'll go to the regionals, um, which I believe were played at UD as well. Um, you'd get a familiar foe, Oak Hills. Now, did you play Oak Hills two times in the regular season because they yes. were in, in your conference? Yes. Okay, so they, they obviously uh, were very familiar with you, uh, coached uh, by Sonny Tudor, uh, and they had a player, uh, and I think I got this name right, Rob Hauk? Yeah, yes, uh, yes. So he hits a 35-footer to beat Fairmont in the district final, uh, 59-57. He had 26 points in that game just to get to play you guys. Um, and it, it looks like, you know, you guys led, you know, most of this game. I mean, it ends for 53 to 49, but it looked like you were in control. Uh, Chip had 23 points, another outstanding shooting night, nine of 12 from the floor, five threes. Orlando had 10, you had nine. Uh, Rob Houck had 21 points, but it looked like, uh, from reading, uh, about this game that, uh, assistant coach, uh, Jimmy Leon um, mm -hmm. kept telling, you know, uh, Larry, you know, to put uh, Katera Relaford on uh, Rob, oh. and, he, and he did, and it seemed like um, he made it really tough for him uh, in the second half of that game. Yeah, well, yeah, Katara's uh, tall, long arms, very good defender. Very good, very good defender. So that kind of slowed him down a little bit with him star being six seven long long arms um just kind of made some shots difficult for him so when you have the versatility that we had like that on our team it you know it makes it difficult for other teams that we can kind of box somebody in a little bit at that time so we we had some, like orlando berry if there was a guard situation we would put lando berry but Qatar Relaford was our defensive guy. He was our stopper. He always guarded the the top player. Um, so um, it was a great call by Coach Lynn. Who, if a fight breaks out in practice, who was the toughest guy on that team, on your team? At that time? Yeah. Melvin Bostic. Melvin Bostic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would go with Big Mel. Big Mel had a, a demeanor about him of no nonsense, no play, straight business. He was trying to block every shot in practice. He didn't care who he was. He'd knock you to the ground. But that's what we needed. We needed a guy like that. We needed a tough interior guy like Big Mel who can kind of control the, the paint. And, and teams knew that when you come to the paint, you had to kind of alter your shot because we did have front line of 6'6", six, 6'6". Six, six, Five, you know, and like I said, that's why I say that game in in Las Vegas against Todd Day, I think that probably would have made a difference because it could have altered some of 
Ty Day's shots get into the paint, which he did quite a bit or helped on the offensive boards as well. So if he was the toughest, who who talked the most? Coach Bettis. <laughs> in practice. Yeah. Uh, but no, uh, I would probably say Dennis Falls. Dennis Falls? Dennis Falls, yes. Dennis Falls. Dennis Falls was probably Dennis. Yeah, probably Dennis and Orlando. Dennis and Orlando <laughs> Berry. Yeah. But the probably quietest guy had to be Kevin Andrews, but he was our general. Yeah. You know, he was our leader. Um, he put us in position to be successful, you know. Um, and the good thing about me and Chip that we, if Chip was hot, he called Chip's play. And if he knew the mismatch was with me, he called me. So that's, he was our balance to our team at the end of the day. He was the, the, the floor general. Of that that back. What made uh, what made Chip special? Um, I, obviously, I never saw him play live, but what what made him special? His like athleticism. Um, he was like poetry in motion. I I never found myself being able to say it, but he was like poetry in motion. He he would dunk on you. He could shoot from deep range. He could penetrate. He was under control. Um, he had all the the ability to do, you know, from inside to out, you know, from his mid-range game um, to out and take you off the dribble, pull up. He had a complete package. He was definitely the complete package back then, definitely. When you talk about, you know, players in the mid to to late 80s and, and you're in a conversation with some old heads, is his name coming up? For sure, for sure, for sure, yes. Yes, that's one guy, I don't know if I ever said this publicly, but that's one guy I wish that had all the ability, I wish would have made it. I mean, I think we all kind of looked up to him. He was a, he is, he still is a legend, you know. Um, yeah, he was that dude, he was that dude. He was good on both ends of the court. He was a complete player. When you look at a complete player back then, that was him. He was a poster child for a complete player. So kudos to Chip Jones. Yeah, because a lot of times, you know, it's 2021. Um, you know, we're 30 plus years removed from that. And, and got, you know, a lot of times people are prisoner of the moment and forget about just how good guy, you know, some of those guys were back in, in, in your era. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I hope, you know, part of the reason I do this is I don't want people to forget, um, well, a, you. you know, a lot of these kids in their, you know, early 20s, mid 20s, early 30s, you know, even some of these kids that are playing now, um, I want them to know who guys like, you know, DJ Boston were and, and Chip Jones, uh, because you guys paved the way for these guys, um, you know, and, you know, it's been other than, you know, Taft winning. Um, that state championship in uh, 2011, which was not Division One. Um, Thank you. You know, say that again, please. Yeah, that, that was not Division One. Um, <laughs> Congratulations, Taft. Though, congratulations. Yeah, but I still mess with Demarco Bradley about that. Like, hey, that Division One is a little bit di different. 
that was a different beast. Yes, yeah. So you know, your your team still has to be talked about uh, among the greats. And so you beat Oak Hills, and then you beat uh, Fairfield, uh, seventy four sixty eight. Uh, nearly four thousand on hand at UD Arena. Uh, Chip Jones with twenty three. You had eighteen and eleven, and Relaford had sixteen. Todd Hol- Holstein led Fairfield with twenty three points, thirteen rebounds, and six assists. Again, this is another game you led by 41-26, um, and they cut the lead to three, 57-54, uh, but you end up, you know, figuring out a way to to hold on for 74-68 victory, and you're moving on to the Mecca uh, in Ohio, St. John Arena. Yes. What was that feeling like uh, winning that Fairfield game and knowing, like, I'm sure going to Columbus, I mean, it's a big, I mean, it would be a big deal now, but. You know, people didn't travel the way right. they, the way they do now. Then, so going to Columbus, I'm sure, was a big, big deal. Yeah. Well, the thing is, back then we had a good traveling team. You know, high school following. So, um, but going to Columbus, you like. Well, I wonder if some of the fans will show up. But it was surprising that a lot of fans showed up and. That's the goal to get to the state final, the final four, you know, and and I think we were all excited um, that we knew we it was close enough that we could possibly win it. So it was exciting, you know, just getting to the final four, playing in Columbus because there's not too many schools in Cincinnati that get a chance to play at Ohio State. You know, we all most of the teams play that date. Mm-hmm. So the makeup going to Columbus is like a big deal. So we were excited, ecstatic, and looking forward to it. So prior to uh, going, you know, to, to the state tournament, um, I know a lot of times people that live in, in the Cincinnati area um, are not Buckeye fans. Uh, I know several people that are, you know, UD, Cincinnati, Xavier. Yep. What, what, who, who did you root for growing up? Xavier. Xavier? I was a big Xavier because I live right around the corner. Those police officers ran us out of the gym, out of the bell house so many times. Um, <laughs> it was horrendous. But I, I knew a lot of the guys from Xavier. You know, um, uh, Jamal, Jamal um, from Xavier. Um, a lot of those guys, Tyrone Hill. We I was just familiar with a lot of the guys because it was right around the corner. So. so so Xavier, I was a big Xavier guy. So you guys uh, <clears throat> show up St. John Arena and you're playing Parma Valley Forge. Um, and you didn't waste any time uh, letting them know that who you were. Uh, it's 27-13 after the first quarter. Um, you know, you guys end up winning this game 77 to 56. Uh, I'm sure it could have been worse. Uh, you led the way with 24 chip had 16 and Orlando Berry had 14. Um, was there any nerves heading into this game or was it just like, Hey, let's go, you know, let's go take care of these guys. Well, that, like I said, when I said earlier, like our practices were so hard during the week 
that we can look forward, we look forward to playing against somebody else to possibly beat up on those. And that's probably what it was. Like a lot of times we were so eager to play someone different that you jump out to those leagues like that and then you think you can coast. And, you know, and then they found out a game plan to attack us and then um, we found ways to win. But like I said, I think it was just more Coach Miller preparing us for that situation in practice. To once you get there, we weren't gonna turn around. We weren't gonna let nothing hold us back. I think we were all focused. We were all geared. Knew what what was close, and we we weren't gonna let up this time. So you know, you you show up out on the floor, and there's nearly eleven thousand people at this game, um, but. I'm, I'm guessing that your style of play doesn't allow for you to be nervous too long because you're, you know, everything's so frantic. Um, yeah. But I'm sure that was like a eye opener when you see that many people. The way St. John Arena sits, yeah, uh, it can get awful noisy in there. Yeah, like I said, I think the nerves were when you come out of the 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 uh, locker room. And you look up and like, wow, look at all these people here. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but once the tip goes up, we go back to what we know. And like I said, the tenacious defense with Orlando and, and Kevin up front and Qatar and Big Mel on the, the wings. And I was back. And it was just one of those situations where once the ball was up, all the nerves were gone and just kind of let our ability take over it. That was one of those situations where we didn't look back. We wanted to jump off early. So you you take care of these guys, and, and now you're going to play for the state championship game. And, you know, looking at the – heading into the state championship game, one thing I found interesting and, and, you know, hasn't changed a whole lot, you guys didn't have anybody on the first three teams, uh, first three All-Ohio teams. Um, you – you were honorable mention, and Chip Jones was special mention, but didn't have anybody on the first three teams. Um, and, you know, those individual accolades are, are are fine, but I know you guys would rather have the state championship. But it, it's still, you know, it, it's kind of um, strange that, that you guys didn't have anybody. I mean, you know, Chip Jones to me is, if he's not a first three teamer, there, there's something wrong. Right, for sure. For sure. But I think back then we didn't pay too much attention to that until the end of the year or it was brought to our attention. I think, I think, like you said, Orlando Ledbetter did a great job. We didn't know, or at least I didn't really pay much attention to it uh, until the end of the year, you know, but back in the day, it used to be every Sunday who was the leading score rebounds and all that. We would look at that, but not so much the whole, honorable mention state we didn't know any of that stuff until the end and i think we played for each other not for you know those individual accolades so i think that's what made us special at that time so nowadays everybody's on their social media and looking to see where they're ranked at and but for back then it was just more about team and effort well, the championship game, you would play Steve Dickerson's uh, Columbus Linden McKinley squad, and you, um, uh, 
de destruction like the state had never seen before. I mean, you come out of the gates and score 34 points in the first quarter uh, in a high school game with an eight-minute quarter. It's 34 to 13 after one. You scored 29 in the third and 32 in the fourth. Final score, 107 to 70. Um, you didn't leave. It could have been worse. Yeah, no it doubt. There was no doubt being left here by the Woodward Bulldogs. Um, you had 27 points. Chip had 24. Orlando had 17. Troy Long had nine. John Smith, eight. Uh, Bostic with five. Uh, their their uh, second team all Ohio and Lewis Jeter ended up with twenty, but um, boy, this is this he was, was no way near Chip Jones. This was a beatdown. Mm -hmm. But just playing in the public high school system and coming up the, the tough games that we had, like I said, it just prepared us for that that moment. Like here it is, guys. But Coach Miller, Coach Leon, Coach Bettis. That whole staff did an amazing job to prepare us for all of these games. Um, so with that being so close and being a, possibly being one of the first teams since night public schools to win the state, we did hear that. And there was no way they were going to take that from us. No way. No way. I mean, we came out with energy. We were ready. We were. There was no holding back. There was no holding back. So. Like I said, you come out, you look up, and you see all of our fans, the Rupp Arena, I'm full of people. So it was just amazing. Now, you know, as a player, um, you know, you get into a game like this, it's 30. At, at what point of that, you know, I'm assuming it was in the first quarter, did you think there's no way these guys can beat us? I think we seen fear in their eyes at the, at the tip, because if if you go back and look at the video, um, we just had a different motor that day for some odd reason. I mean, just being in that situation, um, I think it was just we sensed we we seen blood and we just was like, there's no way, you know, just like a shark, just like. It's here for us, and we weren't going to let up. I mean, I've never seen the defense play like that for three quarters. <laughs> like, we weren't going to let those games where, you know, those big leads like that come back to haunt us and not even give them a chance to believe that they can even beat us or need to even be in the same gym with us at that time. So I think once we got to Columbus, that was the mindset of, like, we're that team that you need to be paying attention to. Yeah, I think it's interesting how things came full circle because there were so many games along the line where you had these big leads and kind of let them slip away. Um, and that certainly did not happen when you got to Columbus. But I think it also says that Cincinnati basketball it was pretty pretty doggone good um, yeah. at that time. Yes. You know, because you – So, like I said, I'm, like I said – the. That prepared us for it. Those games, those teams, the Oak Hills, the Elders, the the Purcell game, the Withrow games, the 
the Hughes game, the West High games, all those games pre prepared us for that situation, whether we blew teams out or barely beat them. But somehow, some way, they prepared us for it. So there was no way that we were going to get that far and allow us to let up, knowing that for some of those guys, it was their last high school game. You know, and when you get to that point, like, you know, this is my last high school game. And I don't think Chip, Swook, um, Kevin, any of those seniors, Troy Long, that's a name that – let me go back. Let me say Troy Long was probably the most talkative guy in practice. <laughs> uh, Troy Long. But uh, none of those guys were going to let their last game be a downer. They wanted to go out with a bang, and those guys led the way and set the stage for that route. So it was great. So as you went, the, the first state championship won by Woodward since 1921 when the baseball team won the state. Um, quite an accomplishment. So what was it like coming back to the city as, as Division One state champs? The first year that the four-division four system in Ohio, you're the state champs. It was a whirlwind. It's, it was just like any team winning the national championship, the, um, the World Series, the NBA championship. It was like down the city hall and all of that. So it was amazing. It was just like it was well worth it, you know, and, and it was a warm welcome from the city. It was, it was, it was, it was great. It was absolutely great. I still lived, <laughs> lived vicariously through some of those days, but it, it was a great feeling to, to come back as a champion. Yeah, you know, and you mentioned some of those senior, you know, one of those seniors was Chip Jones, um, and he, I, I want to say, was signed uh, to play at Tennessee. Um, and he ends up going to Hiawassee uh, Junior College down in, in, in Tennessee. Um, and then you and Chip uh, would uh, reunite. <laughs> you would reunite again. Reunite, right. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to finish just briefly, you know, touch on that, your senior season at at, um, at Woodward, because there were some great things that happened that year as well. Um, but, you know, Chip goes off uh, down to, to Tennessee to the junior college. And then, like I said, you guys meet up um, out in Houston. Um, but, you know, Chip ends up with Coach Miller at Dayton. Dayton. Uh, yep. And he's a killer at Dayton. Uh you know what what happened to Chip? Where you know where what's his whereabouts now? Well, I I, I know that he's in the city of Cincinnati. Okay, uh, we still talk periodically. Um, there's a group chat that me, a couple of the guys from the team. Um, you know, we just kind of reach out to each other, to touch base. But I do know he's in Cincinnati. He's doing well. Good. Um, but yeah, Chip is. You know, he was he was a wild card. But like I said, he was one of those guys you wanted to see make it. You know, like I said, that was something that I've held in for a long time. And but he was that guy. He was that 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 guy. And you know, it, it's shameful for the way things happen. But you know, he's in a better place now, and I'm happy for him. 
Yeah, if you if you're listening um, and you get a chance, uh, you know, kind of if you look up uh, Chip Jones, uh, he didn't have the easiest of upbringings, um, and, and for him to just you know be able to to overcome it and, and play as much as he did. Um, there's not a lot of people that would be able to overcome some of the stuff that he did uh, in his childhood. But if you ever get a chance, uh, there's some pretty good articles uh, about him um, from back in that era. So, um, okay, I definitely will. Yeah, I, but, but that's why he was a folk hero. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of say that laughing, but he, like I said, he's a legend. He in Cincinnati, you know, that's one of those guys that. It was long overdue for his jersey not to be hung up in Woodworth's gym, you know, and that was one of my things. I said, hey, his jersey needs to be hung up in this gym somewhere. He kind of, he was kind of the start of, I mean, there were some other guys ahead, but you say Chip Jones, everybody know who Chip Jones was, like playing in Dayton. They ragged him so bad, I felt bad for him. <laughs> uh, against Oak Hill. I still remember it like but um but he was special. He was special. Does anybody call him Ramondo? That's about somebody calling me Donald too. <laughs> you know, it's very seldom people know what his real name yeah. is. Uh, you you obviously had to know who he was. Yeah. You know, as he had coming up and um but I don't think nobody knows his real name either. <laughs> yeah. Ramondo Chip Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Young young guys, uh, do your research, do your homework, look him up. Right. Um, it's well worth your time. So your senior year comes about um pretty good season. Uh you finish ninth in the AP poll, sixteen and four. Your second team all Ohio, Orlando Berry's honorable mention all Ohio. You finished uh twenty-two and five. Um, some some cool things that happened. You lose the cha- city championship to Withrow, but then you return the favor in the regional final and beat them 63-53 after you'd beat Middletown. Um, and you advance back to the state tournament. Um, and, and this time, um, there was a pretty good player waiting on you. Yeah. Yeah, he still drags me to this day. But he also know we should have won that game as well, too. Jim Jackson. We still actually I just spoke to him a couple of days ago, uh, here in Atlanta. Um but he's another guy, you know, that, that was silky smooth, but he had a, the physique of a grown man. <laughs> you know, and yeah. he was and you know, he got a couple more calls at Ohio State knowing that he was going there. So <laughs> That's how I said, that's how y'all got us, man. They, they tricked us. Yeah. You know, we were playing at UD or somewhere, you know, it was a little bit more even ground. But, no, they had a great team as well. And it was just a situation where we just couldn't get over the hump. And they made some adjustments at half, and we tried to take away one one thing, and they beat us with another thing. So um, it was that's just the way it goes sometimes. But it was a well-played game on both ends. Yeah, you know, you talk about winning this game. Um, final score is 57-50. You played in front of 12,889. Um, you guys led this game heading into the fourth, 44-41. Um, and then it's 49-48, and they 
uh, applied a half court press to, to slow you down. Um, and you went. I seven- went out in the third quarter. Uh, that was it was a sit. Well, they called a charge, and I hurt my wrist, and I was out for maybe four minutes at that third quarter or, or whatever it was. Right at that time, it was forty nine, forty seven, or whatever that situation was. But I I don't know. That was they found a way. Yeah, because you guys go when you went to the bench uh, yep. with the wrist, seven straight possessions without scoring, um, and you were having a, a great night. Uh, you ended up with twenty-five points and nine rebounds in this game, um, but you know Jimmy Jackson ended up with twenty-nine points, seven rebounds. He was Mister Basketball that year as yep. well. As well, <laughs> um, and Donnie Dobbs had twelve points and nine rebounds. That's who. Killed us that second half. Yeah, we were, we were going to give him that shot until he made it. And by the time we realized that he was making it, it was too late in that fourth quarter. And they had already got off to that, that little bit of lead at that time. But nonetheless, um, Toledo McComber goes on to win the state championship um, in, in their next game. Uh, a great season, you know, five losses. You lost a Miami senior, uh, Oak Hills, Withrow, Ballard out of Kentucky, and then and then the state Allen Houston. Yeah. All those guys, those teams that we lost to on the road, they had some, some talent. And, you know, you get that. When you go to these tournaments like that, you never know what you're going to get. And Allen Houston played well. Um, what's the guy from Miami senior? Uh, went to Florida State. Um, Doug Edwards. Doug Edwards. Yeah. Doug Edwards. Um, so, like I said, Carl Brown played well. But, like I said, I I still tell those guys, hey, I'll change that. Yeah, you can have that city's championship, but we beat y'all when it really mattered most (laughs) to not allow y'all to go to the state. Yeah. So, we still have that over those guys at Withrow. That's what I I tell Steve Gentry and, and Doc Gamble and, uh, Bud Taylor, all those guys, we still have a blast about that. I, I send a, I send those guys that clip in the newspaper and say, "Hey, y'all remember this? Just in case you guys forget." And it's thirty year, forty year, almost forty years later. <laughs> I still send those guys that clip, and they say, "Man, don't start, don't start." Yeah, we still won. Steve Gentry was hurt. I said, "Oh, I don't." Well, Steve Gentry, you know, some years later would finally get his his state title uh, coaching yeah. coaching over at Deer Park um, with his son playing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, twenty two and five, uh, another great season. Your your uh, career at Woodward comes to a close. Now you signed with Wichita State. Yes. Um, and I'm gonna guess was that strictly to play baseball? That was to play both. Oh, okay. That was to play, to play both. both. Okay. I, I, at that time, I was looking at schools to play both. Um, Arizona State was one of the schools. Um, and it's kind of crazy that Jimmy Jackson, even during the game, would say, hey, man, come on, come to Ohio State with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, me and Jimmy were, were close, you know, throughout our high school career. So, um, but, yeah, Wichita State was – a very good situation for me for me to go in and play right away possibly play right away and also be able to play baseball as well and um 
just things didn't work out at Wichita State. Ended up at San Jacinto. Yeah, with Chip. yeah. So you end up with Chip, and Chip, you know, it, it do, doing what he does. You know, they're twenty nine and four at um, the school he was at in Tennessee. He led the team in scoring, um, but then you guys hook up there, and um, you know, he would go off to to Dayton after that, and you, you know would would go off to uh, start your your journey um what was it like out at san jacinto in in houston with uh with chip it's like was it like moving the show west can i can i please no comment (laughs) chip was great you know chip was like i said he was a wild card yeah it was chip and like you said his i don't want to speak for him but you know he was you know a wild card let's just say that and you know but he was able to to still be able to do what he was able to do when when the ball rolled out on the court yeah. you know so um like i said so yeah you could basically say just move down south a little further down south but <laughs> he was able to do what he was able to do and you know we weren't really guys that kind of hung out at San Jacinto. You know, he was, you know, like a, a big brother to me down there, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, with being from home and, you know, being able to look over one another and, and that type of deal. So he was, he hung with the older guys and I hung with the younger guys, me and Sam Cassell and a couple of the younger group of guys that were the freshmen coming in. So now, but, Sam Cassell liked to talk. Yes, still does. Still does, still, yeah. Still does, but he was he was special as well. You know, those guys at practice were a different breed. You know, like you knew guys that had the determination to continue their careers to move forward. And he had Chip was one of those guys, and I guess Chip just got caught up in the wrong crowd, wrong group, or whatever, and was able, wasn't able to let the past go, you know, so, but I'm happy for him now. Very happy for him. Very yeah. happy. Any documentary people out there that are listening, you know, he would be a great guy to, to do a documentary on for sure. For sure. Sounds, for sure. sounds, uh, uh, sounds like a best, uh, it'd be a very well-viewed, uh, documentary, yeah. but, uh, so, um, I want to end with this. Uh, you know, you, you played against Jimmy Jackson in high school and, you know, there's, uh, I say there's like three groups of people um, that I talk to uh, throughout the state, whether they're young, old, or, or you know, middle-aged, whatever. And you have your, your LeBron James, uh, you know, fan club of best Ohio high school player. Um, you have your, your older generation, which swears by Jerry Lucas. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and then there, I've run into a certain group of people that will swear by Jimmy Jackson. Um, who was he the best player that you played against? Um, as far as basketball goes, <sighs> you know, you've played against a lot of great players when you have to think about this question. Uh, he's up there. He's for sure up there. I mean, there were some special guys that I've, like I said, the, the Todd days, Jimmy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, but but also Chip Jones too. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I I keep finding myself going back to Chip Jones after having this conversation, just kind of reliving some of those memories and how good he was. Um but but Jimmy was different. His body was built like a man, he was strong, his you know, he was um smart, very smart. Um he was like you said, that that big point guard at high school. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he was tough to guard at high school. So I would probably say Jimmy. I would yeah, I would I would go with Jimmy Jackson. I would definitely go with Jimmy Jackson right now. This thing because I've never been asked that question. Um through that era. Uh, it'll probably be Jimmy Jackson, but I'd also throw Chip up there as well. You know, so Kudos. Who was the toughest pitcher you faced? <clears throat> a guy when you saw him on the mound, you were like, oh, jeez. Rob Dibble. Well, one, yeah, he's a he's a <laughs> maniac. <laughs> hey, but this, you know, this was like coming up through the minor league. He was down on a rehab assignment. And, yeah. you know, he was known for all his saves and his antics and all that. But also throwing the ball at 99 miles an hour <laughs> and not really knowing where it's going. Yeah. You know, so when, you know, getting through all the hiding the ball and all of that, he was probably one of the most difficult guys, I would say. Well, DJ, I'm, I'm not going to call you Donald. I'll call you DJ. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I appreciate you, you know, you coming on today. Um, I wish your son nothing but the best. Uh, he's going to be a, a senior this yes. year and uh, you get to do the, the dad thing uh, before, yeah. he, before he graduates. So that's awesome. But man, uh, I just love talking to people from, from your era. Um, and um, you know, even though you associate with Ricardo, I'll let that slide. But uh, I, I do. I, I appreciate you coming on, man. It, it's I, I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you, thank you. Um, one thing, you know, my son don't believe how talented. You know, it's crazy that, like you said, the younger generation. I try and tell him and talk to him a little bit about the past. And hey, man, I go home and bring back plaques. He say, "Oh, dad, you didn't do that, do that." But son, I hope you're listening to this. <laughs> but no, thanks again, man, for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Hello, Cincinnatians. To your son, your dad was a stud. It's true. <laughs> um, it's it's not you. just hearsay. So. <laughs> yes, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for that. Because he said, you must have told him to say that. I said, no, Jay, no, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, as dad, I'm just dad. So yeah. I, 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 I like the idea of me being dad right now and just following him and, you know, hoping he can, you know, create his own journey. That's, you know, I was happy that, you know, he's taking it serious. So appreciate well, you guys. Yeah. Thank you for coming on, man. I appreciate it. And, um, and, and we'll be in touch. Oh, for sure. Appreciate you. Thanks. Thanks, DJ. All right. See you later.